Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and we've got a treat for you today. It's a flashback interview going all the way back to the championship season in 2008. At the time, Mark Spears was covering the Celtics for the Boston Globe. He's since gone on to cover the entire NBA for Yahoo Sports and now with the undefeated. He's been a great friend of the show since that time. And back in 2008, he really helped us secure the Best interview, a highlight for Celtic Stuff Live, an interview with Earl Lloyd. So I really cannot continue with this show without giving a huge thanks to Mark. And we are in touch for possibly having him on to do an interview before we close out the preseason in late October, the beginning of November. So maybe he'll be kicking off the season with us here at Celtic Stuff Live. But in the meantime, we wanted to bring this interview back. I think it's a poignant time to hear from Earl Lloyd, who was the first black person to play in an NBA game, one of four to break the barrier in the 1950-1951 season, and really was very gracious with his time. This interview is more than an hour, and it has been completely unedited. It's being delivered to you in its original form. I hope that you will enjoy it as as much as Jim J.B. Metz, myself, and John Duke did when we had this opportunity. A real quick programming note before we get into it. A reminder to follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host, myself, at CSL underscore Justin. John Duke is at CSL underscore Duke. And the entire CLNS Radio Network at CLNS Radio. Don't forget our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS radio app for iOS and Android. Just go to your app marketplace, search CLNS radio and download the application and enjoy. Pick your favorite shows from the entire radio network. And don't forget our YouTube channel. It's got high definition, full length locker room interviews and the garden report is back underway with Jared Weiss. Just pioneering video on the internet. Love it. YouTube.com forward slash CLNS radio. So yes, now we're going to step back into the Wayback Machine, and I'm going to dial you back eight, over eight years ago to 2008, and we'll pick it up at the beginning of the show with Earl Lloyd. Mm-hmm. 
Earl Lloyd joining us now on the phone. Earl, thank you so much for your time and, and coming on to talk with us tonight. It's my pleasure. Um, first off, uh, I think JB just has a message for you from uh, from Mark <laughs> Spears. Okay. Well, how do you do, uh, Mr. Lloyd? Uh, I'm JB, and I actually saw you play. I'm a fan <laughs> since probably 1952. How how did you say you are? <laughs> plenty of kick, plenty of kick left in me. Uh, yeah, I was telling but, about it, that man. <laughs> I, I, Mark Spears. Uh, then my I my think, father took me by my hand to the game. You know. That's how it was. I was seven years old, and I saw Bob Cousy uh, throwing the ball around behind his back, through his legs, uh, over his head, and uh, I was hooked. But uh, he's, a great, he's a great player. Oh, well, that's you, what got uh, me. And I, and I watched Marcus Haynes from about that age also. And Marcus Haynes did everything Kuzi could do in spades. Well, pardon the pun, unintended. <laughs> are you from Boston? Yes, sir. Well, I won't hold it against you because I don't right. do that. <laughs> I won't, and I won't mention your coaching record. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> and, don't and, and, and don't mention Boston's records prior to getting Bill Russell. <laughs> Let me get back to the sweet stuff, uh, Mr. Ray. Um, Mark, Mark is a friend of ours, and, and we've had some nice uh, conversations with him. Mark Spears, um, the writer, he's now with the Boston Mark, Globe, okay. and he, he, I thanked him by email, and he, he wrote back, and I have to, I have to read this to you. I'm sorry. I hope it doesn't embarrass you. You'll love him. Please tell the man on the air that I said hello, and I love him. He's a great man. Thank you. Well, when you when you're talking, Mark, tell him it's extremely reciprocal. I will. Yeah, I love him dearly. Wonderful. Well, uh, Mr. Lloyd, I'm I'm the the third member of this of this ragtag group here on the internet. <laughs> and uh, first of all, I I, wa- I just want to say it's a real honor to have a chance to talk with you. Really, we've been trying to read up on your, your on your story and and you know obviously playing and. and Back in the you know the forties and fifties, and now you know all that you've been through in the, in the game of basketball. But for, for some of the fans out there who who listen to our show and you know who go as far, far back like I do to Larry Bird, we think that's old school. Maybe if you could you know talk about uh, you know coming you know your story, and so you know it's kind of an introduction to a, a lot of our fans who are you know younger in their twenties and thirties, maybe, and uh, think that basketball started when uh, Larry Bird got drafted. <laughs> Well, you know, we played uh, our conference, our college conference. We, my last two years in school, we played our tournament right in Uline Arena, and the Uline Arena owned uh, the Washington Capitals. So they probably it didn't cost them a dime to scout me. Right? <laughs> I got, they got me real cheap, you know. But um, in 1950, I was drafted. You know, after my college career was over, and. Uh, Signed, went to training camp, made the team, played two weeks, and then I got drafted a second time. I guess I may have been the only person in the country who got drafted twice that year. Uh, I was drafted by the Washington Capitol Professional Basketball Team in the U.S. Army. And oh. you can guess to whom I had to defer. Right? <laughs> 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 I spent two years in the Army. <clears throat> While I was gone, the team folded, and the Syracuse Nets, picked me up in a supplemental draft. Uh, then I played six years in Syracuse, and, and I ended my career in Detroit as a player. 
Well, Earl, uh, back to me. It's uh, Justin, and um, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to say, you know, I read uh, Mark Spears' Martin Luther King Day article. Uh, he had a lot of quotes from you and uh, and everything, and I wanted to just say that one of the things that I admire about you uh, is that you must have had an immense passion for the game. When I look at, uh, you've made a point that, uh, you know, basketball did not have the same notoriety that baseball had in that era and uh, I just wanted to say that you must have an incredible love for the game to face all the obstacles that you did um, at the time not getting the same no- notoriety as some of those as baseball was getting well you know you know it's and people people ask a lot of different questions along the way you know it's if you weren't if, if you if you were from that era my era I'm talking about and you weren't driven you know that that's you know it might be something wrong with you, man. You know, it, it, it's for me, for me. Uh, what drove me was you know I every stop I that I made, Justin. You know, uh, growing up in Alexandria, um, uh, Alexandria could have very easily been the wrong place to be. But for my parents and you know and and, and my parents' friends, uh, we call that extended family, and my high school to my coach and all that. You know. It is, it's no telling, you know, what could have happened to me. So, you know, I, 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 I was touched by a lot of hands, I mean, from people who sincerely cared about me. And I learned early on, you know, from my parents, from my teachers, it is my worst nightmare would have been to let people down who love me dearly. So that drove me some. You, you just said, uh, you know, if you were living in that era and you weren't driven, that something would be wrong with you. What differences do you notice uh, in in just today's culture? Not not just you know as far as uh, you know how far we've come as a society, but just the differences about like you said being driven. Do you do you feel like maybe not only the basketball players but just society in general is just not as driven? Well, you know, they don't have the same kind of pressures that we have. You know, you have to understand that that. that even though in St. Louis and in Fort Wayne and in Baltimore and in, 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 in Indianapolis, Indiana, you know, if if if, if you had a player a professional basketball game and you walk in the restaurant, and they don't feed you. I mean, they don't they they they, they don't seat you. Yeah, you can't fold your tent because you know you you're a professional athlete, man. I mean, this is your craft. You gonna let somebody you gonna let somebody that's really stupid to deter you. From playing your craft, that makes no sense. That's yeah, you, absolutely. I right. don't know. I don't know how many people have uh, been in that situation, but uh, you know, it, it, it rings so true that that there's just uh, you know that certain sense of resolve that must build up. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, th- these are the kinds of things, feelings. You know, we're hoping to share tonight uh, with our guests. Oh, I'm, I'm Jake. Yeah, I'm, I'm back on, and and I, I just. Uh, Thought I would put some perspective in and a little history, and that's my kind of job here. But when when you came into the league, um, I guess it was in its second year that the uh, BAA and the NBL, two competing basketball leagues, had formed. I think in 1949. Is that correct? Well, the league was when I when I was drafted. I I think the NBA was like three years old. So that's that's. You know, and, 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 and that lends to the fact that, that when people ask, suggest to me 
that I'm the Jackie Robinson of basketball, and I take umbrage. I mean, I don't scream and holler. I take very polite umbrage because there's no way in the world, JB, that you can compare what happened to me to what happened to Jackie Robinson. I mean, here's a guy, his own teammates, his own teammates didn't want to play with him. You know, and, and, and hats off to Branch Rickey. The, the Brooklyn Dodgers had the league-leading hitter the year Jackie came up, a guy named Dixie Walker. And I know who he was hitting. He was hitting 343, leading the, leading the National League and hitting. <laughs> and he told the man, I'm not going to play with him, using the N-word. And the man said, you're right, because you're going to Pittsburgh, right? <laughs> 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 you're definitely not going to play with him, you know. <laughs> you can't play with him, you know, over over in that smoky town in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> but like, well, and, and my first my first training camp, you know, you can you, you can never have a feel for <clears throat> excuse me being treated like second class citizens. And I, and I submit to you, second class was a little high as to how we were treated. It might have been third or fourth. But you walk into your first training camp, and this 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 is your first your first contact with white people. And this is a level of competition, man, that, you know, you, <laughs> that's not easy. But I, you know, I told myself, I said, look, you know, you, you've never bought into that, that you were inferior. And your folks wouldn't let you buy into it because uh, my, my parents and, and my parents' friends, my coaches, they always reassured me about my worth as a person. But now, right now, I told myself, I said, look, if you got a statement to make, now's the time to make it. And, you know, I, Unknowing to me, my my college coach, advertently or inadvertently, got me ready for this because he was a hell of a coach, and I made the team. But I, you know, I I felt good about that because, you know, when you get picked on the ninth round, you know, you know how they how they would draft the ninth round picks. I'm joking a little bit. They probably had names on a dartboard, and if they, if they hit your name on the ninth round, they would draft you. Well, I don't know, Mr. Lloyd. I think they knew who you were. Um, you had a couple of undefeated, couple of undefeated college teams that you played on, and uh, what did you win? Two, two, two championships uh, in your league. Uh, I I think they knew who you were, and I even have a story from. uh, There was a coach named McClendon who took you and Harold Hunter and snuck you into a tryout. Right. (laughs) No, I think I think they knew you were coming, but uh, well, you know, me... it, 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 the, the only thing I can present for my for my side of that argument is <laughs> they were not in a hurry to get to me. When you draft, when you draft spot on the ninth round, do you know how do you, do you know how many players have been picked? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but to their credit, they knew because of attitude they could have picked me on the fiftieth round, and I probably would have still been there. Well, I think they also, I don't know for sure, but they may have compared uh, envelopes like uh, maybe they aren't sealed bids like they are today in these, you know, with uh, Arthur Anderson standing around. But, uh, I, I don't know. But, yeah, but, I, but let me tell you something. You know what? I'm cutting you off. You know, and I apologize. No, no. But you know, you know, you know we, we, we all have heard, we've all heard uh, that being in the right place at the right time is important. But... There is no right place at the right time if you're not with the right people. And my blessing was the coach of the, the, the coach of the uh, Washington Capitals at that time was a guy named Bones McKinney, Horace. Horace Bones <laughs> McKinney from Wake Forest, North Carolina. And, and, and this guy was as fair as anybody I've ever met in my whole life. 
and 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 and, and he occupies. I got let me tell you kind of got bones was to make my point. Uh, we were in Fort Wayne, Indiana, at the Van Orman Hotel. You know, you tend to remember those names, and, and they they would let me sleep in the hotel, but I couldn't eat in the hotel. Bones knocked on my door and, and told me, "Say you're not going to eat by yourself tonight. We're going to have dinner together." And I told him it wasn't necessary, but the thought really counts. And I said, and, 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 and what you did, if you had not done it, you would have never been criticized. So that makes it special to me. So Bones. Yeah, that's nice. God that's nice. Him. Yeah, That's the way that Bill I mean, Russell you know, talks I mean, about he, Red Auerbach, he, too. I mean, he stepped up when it wasn't popular. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Yeah, that's nice. Now, I, I think it's probably as good a time as any now to, to talk a little bit about this ESPN special. It's coming. It's only a week away. we kind of lucky. Uh, but there's a documentary, two-hour, I believe two parts. Uh, yeah, probably it's four two hours. hours it's two four parts, hours, right? Two hours, and, two hours Sunday and two hours Monday. That's right. Called Black Magic, and um, I'm just going to read a quick blurb and let, let you talk about it. Black Magic, a four-hour, two-part series in prime time, March 16th, March 17th, on ESPN, with limited commercial interruption. Directed and produced by Dan Cloris, with Earl the Pearl Monroe as co-producer. Black Magic chronicles racial injustices told by basketball players and coaches who attended historically black colleges and university. Wynton Marsalis, Samuel Jackson, and Chris Paul will narrate. So this is you know, kind of a big deal, uh, and, and one of the five primary storylines uh, is about you, Earl. Yeah, uh, it's um, you know, it, it's Sonny Hill probably describes the, 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 the whole thing better than anybody when he said it, it, the story is riveting. You know, have you seen it? Have either of you seen no. it? No, no. Well, it's uh, it will hold your attention. You know, <clears throat> excuse me for a second. Absolutely. <clears throat> When you get older, you know, sinuses visit you and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking but, forward to it. <laughs> be careful what you wish for now. Yeah. But, any, but anyhow, you know, it, it, it's. I started college in 1946, and during my time as a collegian in the CIAA, uh, most, and I don't say all, most of the black basketball talent along the eastern seaboard found their way to CIAA schools, to mention a few, you know, Howard University, Lincoln University, uh, Virginia State, Virginia Union, North Carolina College, and they were all loaded. I mean, because, I mean, they, you know, when, when they, you know, during that time, you know, East Coast, the East Coast thought, thought, thought I mean, the guys who played on the East Coast thought it was basketball heaven, but uh, 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 teams were loaded, man, but it, it, the situation was different. I mean, it's, when you went, when, when we when we drove to D.C. to play Howard, we ate in their dining halls, we slept in their dormitories because even in D.C., you know, nation's capital, there were no restaurants who would serve us. There were no uh, hotels that would admit us. So it's it's like taking care of your own. Uh, and, and and this went on for my whole career. In my my in my my four years at West Virginia State, we never stayed in a motel except the trip we took to California. Oh. Never. I mean, you know, and the buses, and, I, oh, man, it was it was really crazy, man. <laughs> and, and, and it's amazing how we excel. We did so much having so little. It's unbelievable. And, 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 and when, when I was asked about 
black magic. I said, well, for me, it's, it's a nostalgic trip down down memory lane. But for these young people, this 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 should be a magnificent teaching tool. And it should say to them, if these people can do what they did with a foot on their necks and all that kind of stuff and they're being mistreated, you know, the world ought to be our oyster. You know, they don't have those kind of pressures. All they got to do is go out and play and play well. They don't have to worry about where they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep. If you if you caught out here, like New York, man, you know, they uh, after dark, in New York, they, the cab driver wouldn't pick you up because they all were afraid that you're going to Harlem. They don't want to go to Harlem. I almost jumped in front of a cab. I said, man, I'm going to the to, to the Paramount Hotel <laughs> on 46th Street, man. Don't leave me out here. But it, it, it was just... I describe it as being real crazy times. Earl, let me ask you, when did you feel like it's something had really changed? When did I feel like something changed? Yeah. When I got to Detroit, you know, you know, Detroit was in in in, in, in my in my development track, I mean Detroit was almost like the great panacea really. Uh you know, it, it's in West Virginia, you know, we never play against white teams except when we went to California, uh, it, it, it's and then in Syracuse, I mean you know Syracuse are like most towns in the fifties. You know they they have restricted covenants and all that kind of stuff. And for six years, I lived in Syracuse and I, during the season. And every black person I knew lived in the fifteenth ward. Wow! Yeah, it's, I'll tell you, I, it, it, I li- it was crazy. Man. <laughs> Wow. <clears throat> I lived in Milwaukee in 1968, and it was still that way. Right. But see, what they didn't realize, when they told me, you, you, you're going to have to rent someplace in the, in the 15th Ward, I was like Brother Rabbit in the Bride Patch. <laughs> you know, this, this was my salvation, man. I mean, I mean, you living in a whole ward where everybody knows you and loves you and will protect you. I mean, I could walk anywhere I wanted to walk. I could park my car anywhere I wanted to park it. You know, and it's just, and, and, and then they found out, when they found out that I was a decent person, because usually people are kind of suspect of, of professional athletes. They think, they think they're better than anybody else. That's crazy, man, you know. And my, and my thing was, hey, if, if, if a bullet would take you out, you ain't better than nobody else. <laughs> but, uh, that's funny. That, that's, that, the, the, there were some the, tough the, towns in those days. Am I cutting you well, off? You know, it's, you know, they, it's, they, they could have been real tough times. But see, I was fortunate from this, in, in this sense. My hometown, Alexandria, got me ready for all that crazy stuff. You know, I used to go on the road in the towns that called your names. I used to laugh at them. I said, man, you know, you all are rank amateurs, man. I, I better go, you know, <laughs> I better go to Alexandria, man, and bring some people out here and, and, and let them do some seminars for you all. You know, <laughs> y'all not real good at this, man. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, let me and, ask you, know, you a that, question, if I if I can get go, one in. I've been waiting for, the, for this one. When when the when Jackie Robinson joined the uh, uh, baseball league. Um, he was the first of many established stars in the old, they called the Negro League. And, you know, we'd heard stories of Josh Gibson and Satchel Page in his prime. And for the first few years, the best players coming into the uh, baseball league were like uh, Roy Campanella, Luke Easter, uh, you know, players that had played and matured and, and were already 
um, you know, at the highest level. But in, in the NBA, um, there doesn't seem to have been an influx. There was, uh, you know, Clifton came from the Globetrotters. I think Woody Salisbury maybe a few years later. But there must have been, and I know the New York Wrens were playing, and there must have been some mature black uh, basketball players that we didn't hear about. And I'd like to know, you know, are there, are there players that should have been in the league? And if they're not, why didn't well, they get they, in? Like, most of the people I, I watched play, you know, by, by the time the league was forming, you know, they they were kind of here, you know, they, they, they were a little late for them. Like Pop Gates, you know, uh, I mean, you know, Pop Gates, you know, he he had had by the time I got in the league, you know, Pop had had you know the, the most of his good years. In fact, you know, the, uh, the New York Renaissance. You know, you won't believe it, man. These people were so good; they were so good that they played themselves out of business. You know, I don't want to play them. You know, it's 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 an amazing phenomenon, man. It's. Uh, did did they I'm ever? Sure that, did they ever they play uh, Marcus Haynes and Tatum in those Globetrotter teams that that played the Minneapolis I, Lakers here? Uh, let me tell you what I, I traveled with them for a week. Uh-huh. It, it was the hell of a week, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're on the same bus with these guys, and you're sitting there watching them do things, you know. And it's uh, it, it, it's utterly amazing, man. But when I, when I left the campus to go with them for a week, it was a trial kind of thing, you know. My my coach told me. Now, I found out later the Washington Caps had been in touch with him. And he told me, you know, look, you go out there and enjoy yourself and don't sign anything. You don't, I mean, don't even sign a, uh, 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 <laughs> a receipt for your food. Don't, you, you sign absolutely nothing. And when we got back to Chicago, where, where there was home base for them then, and they broke up some contract, you know, and gave me this figure, you know, that, I felt like I, you know, I could get a tin cup and, and, you know, and put some dark glasses on, you know, and, and match that. But uh, that's not why I didn't sign. I didn't sign because my coach told me not to sign. And so I came to an area where the people in your life that were authoritative, when they tell you what to do, that's what you did. <laughs> but uh, then later I found out that the Washington Capitals had drafted me. And uh, that's when I started. You know, I mean, you, you had to get ready for that. Mac Lennon took us out there and, we played some two-on-two, two and we tore up a couple of their guys, you know. Well, how, how about, though, the, were, there, were there other players that were ready to come in the league? And, and, and if not, uh, why, why, why didn't they? I, you know, I, I played against some guys. That, but, see, here lies a problem. Now, you know the problems the NFL had with quarterbacks. And we know that problem, don't we? Oh, yeah. Well, they, the NBA had the same feeling about backcourt people. Because the backcourt people are supposed to be the smart ones. Ah. Now, Washington drafted a young guy out of North Carolina College, one of Mac Lennon's boys. His name was Hal Hunter. Hal Hunter could play, man. And, and, and But given the racial climate in Washington, D.C. in 1950, you surprised that the Caps would take one black player. Now, you know they're not going to take two. Right, right. If, if Hal Hunter, and I, I'm saying this loud, if Howard Hunter had been drafted by a team that had a need for a backcourt man, a professed need, he'd have played in this league. And I mean, that, man, this guy, this guy was utterly amazing, man. And JB actually mentioned something about a private workout with you and, and uh, Mr. Hunter uh, a while back too. And uh, I imagine you remember that workout. Well, you know, we, you know, it, it, the word had it that that uh, you know, Coach Mack. 
came to my house and picked me up, and Harold and I, we going over there, you know. And he had some concerns about something I might not have known, so we stopped and did a few things, and, and he knew what I needed. I mean, this was a smart man. You ever meet John McLendon? No, I haven't. I, I don't think JV has either. Have you, JV? <laughs> so, I, I, I hadn't even heard of him until I started to research. I'm this, sorry. I was hoping you could tell us something about him, though. This guy, said, this, this guy was so far ahead of his times, man. I, I mean, this, 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 he was a legendary coach. I mean, I mean he was doing things in, in the early 40s, man, that people are getting credit for. I mean, like fast break basketball, man. I mean, that, that was his baby. I mean, people used to come to him you know, at clinics and, and, and visit him later, you know, and one-on-one, just to pick his mind. And he's a, he's a Hall of Famer. You know, it, it's, it's utterly amazing. I played in a small black conference called the CIAA at that time. Now it's called the Central Intercollegiate. Then it was colored. I watched two guys, John McLennan and Big House Gaines, and... and, and, and I was very pleased to have watched them coach and in my later years to become friends with both of them and to watch them go into the Basketball Hall of Fame. It, it truly, you know, it's, you can imagine how I felt. I mean, I rub elbows with these guys. I mean, I, you know, when I was in their company, I couldn't say much because, I mean, you know, you, you got two guys and one about 1,900, no, 19, not 1,900, <laughs> about 1,500 <laughs> games between them, you know. When they talk, you need to be listening. Yeah, and you said he prepared you. Uh, you get you uh, earlier in the interview. You mentioned that McClendon uh, prepared you for for life in the NBA and what you the road that you had ahead of you. Well, you know, now you, you know you can't prepare somebody for the, for your life in the NBA in, in in five or ten minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> if you could, everybody would be NBA stars. You got you got a pipeline to Jesus Christ, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but there's an area, you know, about that, that, there's some things that we talked about, and he showed me that 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 if I didn't know it, I would need to know this because this is how the pros play. Um, Earl, let me uh, let me move on to just uh, a little bit. Uh, you're talking about great coaches, and I just want to mention Red Auerbach, who took over the Celtics the same year that you came into the league, and uh, he actually came from the Capitals. Uh, he had been a coach two years previous and went to the championship. And um, six years after you came in, the Celtics drafted Casey Jones and traded for Bill Russell. Uh, Casey, I don't think, played for the team for a couple more years, and we're actually going to have Casey Jones on uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. We're still working out a night. But I wanted to ask you, especially uh, in lieu of the fact that Casey may be coming on, uh, did you know Casey Jones and Bill Russell, and do you have any stories? No. I, you know, of course I knew him because, you know, it's, and I tell people, like I was telling JB earlier, you know, if, if, you, if you go back to Celtics folklore, the Celtics never won a playoff series until Bill Russell. Well, he was an impact player, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> I mean, impact. <laughs> That's an understatement. Right. How about destructively impacted? <laughs> man, let me tell you something, man. You know, they had a writer. There was a writer in Boston named Clifford King. And he, he was the beat writer for the Celtics. And, boy, he loved the song. Oh, what do you think about the Celtics? I said, I think they'd all be out picking cherries if it wasn't for Bill Russell. <laughs> 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 I said, man, 
You know, I mean, I mean, here's a guy, and if you know anything about basketball, man, when, when, when one guy, when one guy can disrupt all the things that you want to do offensively, how the hell are you going to win? Do you know, during his whole career, Bill Russell missed like 22 games because of injuries and other things. They lost 21 of them. Wow. Now, that's a real loud message. That's somewhere. <laughs> <You know? laughs> now, this guy, you know what? Now, I'm crazy. You know, period. Some people take that man earlier. You could, you know, <laughs> if you remember a few years back, the Boston Globe conducted a, conducted a poll about the top, the top player, the, the, the top professional athlete of all time in Boston. They got to have a list. I mean, man, you, you had Bobby Orr. And, and, and Rasmataz, I call him, you know, what's the guy's name? The, 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 the last Triple Crown winner for the oh, Boston Yastrzem- Red Sox. Yastrzemski, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, Yastrzemski. Then you got Ted, and you got Larry Bird, and, and you can guess who won. Who would you guess won? Well, I'm hoping it's Bill Russell, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Ted Williams won. Ted Williams, well. And, I, and, I, yeah. and, and, you, could, and, and you, you can give a strong argument for Ted Williams, man. This guy came out the wall for for the third time and was thirty eight years old and hit three seventy seven. That's utterly amazing, right? Yeah. Well, but, I guess that I, you know I did see Ted play as well a little bit uh, past his prime, perhaps. But you know there may only have been two or three uh, you know hitters of his caliber, maybe three or four in the history of the game. But uh, you know there was only one Bill Russell, now, right? Was with Bill Russell. I said, look. I, you know, I can give you a strong argument. I said, the man, got, got he got some of the rings. He got to put one on his toe. Yep. I said, he, I said, here's a guy. Here's, here's, I mean, Ted had some fabulous years, man. But during, the, during his reign, they, 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 they never won nothing. That's right. And then he came back as a coach. He did it again as a coach. Right. And, and then here's a guy. Guy comes to a franchise that was going nowhere. I mean, they, they, they were like running in sand all the time. Now, and, 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 and this guy took them and put them on his, bro- not, he didn't have broad shoulders, but I say broad shoulders. Put them on his shoulders and carried them where they wanted to go. I said, now, now I mean, how can you not cons- give this guy serious consideration? But, you know, you know it's, Russell was too outspoken for people up there, man. I mean, you know, people don't understand, man. Bill Russell is a smart, smart person. You you were listening to him talk? I mean, seriously. I mean, this guy's smart, man. He's you know, and he's very sensitive. And, and that situation in 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 in, in, in it was at Reading, where uh, they gave him the key to the city and all this stuff. And when he got home, his house had been trashed, and somebody defecated in his bed and all that kind of stuff. You know, mm, awful. That he carried that for a long time, and we paid for it. <laughs> Yeah, this guy and I—I I know Russ. Russ and I, Russ and I, are good friends. I mean, we don't hang out together. We don't call. All we do is when we greet each other, you know, we greet each other warmly and sincerely. And uh, I have a—I have a tremendous respect for him, man. You know, and and when you're in his presence, he's talking basketball. You know, dude with eleven rings, man. You, you know, <laughs> you got to listen. <laughs> 
You're listening to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio. Flashback interview with Earl Lloyd. We're going to be right back after this quick word from our newest sponsor, Audible.com. Well, I, I want, if, Mr. Lloyd, if we could, you know. Uh, Earl, this... now come on now. We, we've been laughing oh, and joking. Right, Earl. <laughs> we're breaking it down after 40 minutes. Hey, we're ready to go. Hey, I want to, you know, this past year, we've, we've, We've gone back. We went. We've gone back into those quicksand times there. Earl, the last few, last twenty years or so, the Celtics hadn't been so hot. And the last year, we had you know Kevin Garnett that came here, and we. I, I wouldn't say he's Bill the next Bill Russell, but he's certainly transformed everything that this team has done. Do you get a chance? I mean, are you watch. Do you watch the teams? You know, and, and the Celtics. Oh, yeah, and I watch. The teams I, I watch the play. Yeah, Kevin, let me tell you something, man. Yeah. We were treated Kevin and the Kevin McHale. I've always. You know, he was a smart guy, but man, you know, and, and, and you have to understand it at the professional level. Lots of times, a trade is not a trade. Sometimes a trade is the guys making too much money. And, and, and my my attitude was, if I'm losing with you, you know, I can lose without you without paying all that money. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you know, they they had Kevin gone there for a long time. And, and, and the talent around him kind of eroded some, but they were not going anywhere with him. And the guy making that kind of money, man, you know, you, you, you can't justify When the owner comes to you and says, you know, why are we keeping this guy and we still losing? And we're paying him all this money. So lots of time a trade is not a trade. But you're fortunate when you, when you can get traded into a situation that you might be the last piece of the puzzle. And, 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 and the South is going to be dealt with, man. Do you think they're they can win this year? I, I, you know, it's they they've done well this year because the people that they didn't expect to get a lot from the, the bench, uh, they paid well. You know, but it, it, yeah. it, a, a guy like a, a guy like Kevin Garnett makes life easier for you, man. Because mm. to win in that league, you got you got to have a go-to guy. Like when I was in Syracuse, we had a go-to guy, man. Look, Darshay. Not only did we go to him, when we went to him, he knew what to do with it. <laughs> So we work real hard, man, to keep them healthy. And I said, you, you know, God and the weakest people on other teams, you know, it's, it, it, but without him, I mean, you, you take his offensive effort out of our, uh, you know, out of our equation. We had, we got it. We had a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Those are the days before the 24 second clock as well, up to what, 1954? Is that when that came in? In fact, my owner, Danny Bison, gets credit for that. The twenty-four second clock. The twenty-four second clock truly saved professional basketball. It was dying, man. That last quarter was crazy. I mean, you know, it was like a free throw shooting contest. If you can remember, you know, I hack you and then you hack me, and you know, it would take like damn near an hour to play the last quarter, and people did this board stiff. And with the twenty-four second rule, do you know nineteen fifty-four? Now, how many years is that? That's was that fifty-four years? Forty-four. Yeah. No, fifty-four. Fifty-four. Oh, my math is bad. <laughs> I know. I, I, I understand. You get that way. <laughs> yeah, I should get that way for a while. You aging too gracefully, right? <laughs> I already have inside his problems. Right? Yeah, I knew I, had, look, I knew I was going to enjoy this interview. <laughs> Only one rule in the NBA 
that has never been tampered with, and that's the 24-second clock. You think about that. You'd like it to stay that way, then? Well, that's no question. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, you know, first of all, and then with the three-point shot, you know, the team behind still got a shot at you, man. Now, you, 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 I can see Kuzi right now, man, dribbling the ball around for eight minutes <laughs> in the last quarter, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a great free throw shooter. So if you foul him, it's like it's, it's like adding two points to 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 that total automatically. But but I mean, as good as he was, it was boring. You don't come to the game to see one guy dribble for five minutes, unless you're going to see the Globe Trotters play. Unless it's Marcus Haynes. Yeah, unless it's Marcus. I mean, Marcus would thrill you to death, man. I mean, you you might want to let Marcus dribble the, the whole game. And, and let the teams play at halftime. <laughs> let me let me ask you, Earl, because when Mark Spears came on the show back in I think January, we had a little debate between JB and he. And uh, JB said Marcus Haynes was the the best dribbler ever, and and Mark questioned if uh, Curly Neal wasn't better. What's your take? Man, let me tell you something, man. Curly Neal is fantastic, but Mark, obviously, see what happens is. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, Marcus. Marcus, a young guy. I mean, he never really saw Marcus. And and, and I mean, just like 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 my my youngest son. When you say the greatest player ever, who do you think he's gonna say? He's gonna say Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, that's his era. I said, well, you know, I, I you know, and, and you can't. I don't get into those arguments because you can't compare apples and oranges. How do you compare Michael Jordan to Bill Russell? Yeah, and and, 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 and what's, what's the barometer for measuring? You know, if it's if it's championships, I mean, Russell got eleven. If it's points, you got to go to Will Chamberlain. And about every fifty-four points a game, you know, <laughs> you got to give him some consideration. JB, uh, you got a question? Yeah, well, I'm still here, breathless. Uh, I was going <laughs> to no, captivate. Let me go to another historical note here, which I found very interesting. Um, I don't know too many people that know this, and I'm not even 100% sure it's true, but it's on the New York uh, Wrens www.blackfives.com homepage. And they say the there are two leagues that merged. One was the NBL, I believe, which uh, was mostly Midwestern teams from company towns like the Anderson Packers and the uh, Fort Wayne Zollner Pistons and, and, and other kinds of company teams. And um, one year they had a team, and I'm trying to find out where, but that team couldn't finish the season. And the New York Wrens were invited and actually finished the season with uh, that league. Do you know anything about that, Earl? Uh, no, no that, uh, that's, that, that's, that's history of me. I don't know. I, I, I never heard that. Well, you know, I, we, you, 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 there was so little about pro basketball then. Uh, it just, like people ask me, you know, did you envision a career in in, in, in in the NBA? I said, well, how can how could I envision a career in an arena that I had no predecessor? No, it's no, I had no idea. And, and, and my getting drafted was, I, you know, it, it's the furthest thing from my mind. But before you go, I'll be remiss if I didn't say this. My high school coach, my college coach, man, when you know, if 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 you had done a computer search all over this country to find the right high school coach and college coach for me, 
you would have wasted a lot of money because the two guys, the two guys that I that that, that I needed, the first one was at Parker Gray High School in, in Alexandria, and the second guy was Mark Codwell in, in West down in West Virginia State. My high school coach's name, and if you print this, get it right. It's Randolph Lewis Randolph Johnson. My college coach was Mark Hannah Codwell, and they both went to the same school. My coach sent me to his school, and when I get there, my biology professor coached them. And to show you how unique my school was, here's a guy, Dr. A.P. Hamlin. He coached both my coaches. He's in the state of West Virginia at the Hall of Fame. And he's such a scientist. He's my biology professor. The science building on that campus is named after him. And can you imagine that? You got a science building named after a guy who's a Hall of Fame coach and who was a tremendous scientist. So what I say about Dr. Hamlin was he was a fantastic scientist who happened to be a Hall of Fame coach. And I, I, I defy you to find somebody like on any campus in this country. That's what made my school unique. It's a great place. You know, it... Uh, I went to college during a time where a school had to, had to give you more than just education. <clears throat> it was, had to be a safe place. It had to be a friendly port in the storm. And, 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 and <clears throat> I would say that it was that and more because what it, what, what it did, it, it, it provided me with a place that I felt like I belonged. So it's, I'm getting a little, you know, when I start talking about my schools, man, my high school, my college, you know, I kind of, <laughs> I, I, I choke up a little bit because without them, like people say, well, in your development, you know, what was the most important stop you made? That's a no-brainer, man. My college, at graduation, everybody's crying. And somebody said, well, what are they crying about? I said, you know, they don't want to leave. That's the kind of school I went to. You know, it's, it's even now, I go back there. I was back there 10 days ago you know, when they, they uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they, uh, retired a teammate's jersey. You know, you know, I left that school in 1950. That's 54 years, man. Is that right, JB? <laughs> <laughs> I leave the math. I leave the math to Justin. Well, you got you got a hard time living up and down. I'm doomed. But it, it, it's you know, and then the greatest honor you can give an athlete is to remember him well after his playing days are over. When I go back to West Virginia, man, it's always an outpouring. It's amazing. I mean, they, I mean, they, they reduce you to tears, man. I hate to go down. I say, man, all y'all do is make people cry down here, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a fact. It, 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 it was a fabulous place. And, and and if you talk to anybody during my era there, and then you ask them, so what kind of school was it? And they will think for a minute, and they will tell you to a person, it was a special place. Earl, you said uh, you know that you you found a place where you felt like you belong, and that's really that's what it's all about, isn't it? Is finding a place There's where no you question. belong, and knowing I, that you're there. Let me tell you something, man. It's it, it's um, when you drove to our campus, when, when you got about maybe you know mile half a mile away, the water tower that was it for us. The minute we saw that water tower, we knew we were safe because we were home. Man, it's you know, and you can't imagine. I mean, it's it, it's hard. It's hard for me to explain it to you, but man, I'm telling you, it it, it was a magical place, and it, it it did all the things that you needed to do for young black kids during that time, like the when they, like, like 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 the girls, you know, when when them parents sent their daughters down there, 
you know, it, it, every person on that staff was a surrogate, and they wanted their daughters to come home, not bring something home that they didn't they didn't have when they went down there. That, no, that wasn't going to happen. So it uh, it was, you know, it, it, it man, it's a home away from home. I mean, you name it, all the things that I needed as a young eighteen year old kid going down there, they had it for me. Because they threw me to the wolves my first year, but I was a four year starter. And I did all right, but you know, it's that's a huge jump, man, <laughs> from, from high school then to college, you know. But it uh, it served me well because by my sophomore year, I. I let them know. I said, "Look, I owe a lot of y'all. <laughs> a lot of you folks, I owe you something." <laughs> 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 and that year, we were the only undefeated team in the whole United States. Wow! In West Virginia State College, we were the only team in the United States of America in 1947-48 undefeated. Yeah, I think you were uh, named All America. You was it junior yeah. and senior year, but by the Pittsburgh Post, uh, yeah, I think we read that today. Well, well this you know, just the, been... the only papers that covered us was the Afro-American, yeah. yeah. the North Adrenaline Guide, the Pittsburgh Courier, and they were all black newspapers. That's the only coverage we got. Oh. And we sit right down there, and we're 10 miles from Charleston. There's two newspapers there. Yeah. You know, they, mm-hmm. they might put one blurb, Jackets Win, you know, on about the 18th page, you know. Yeah. By the way, we weren't news. Yeah, well, we're trying to, we're trying to uh, bring some of that back to... Well, yeah, yeah, you know, you, that's why I'm, yeah, I'm saying that 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 when I went down for Bob Wilson's uh, jersey to be retired, I was at about a day earlier, and I got a chance to watch the team practice and got a chance to you know say a few words to him. And I just asked him, you know, it's it, it, I mean, it, it's a lot going on, you know, that's that might be bigger than sports. So I asked myself, well, um, I don't know, all you guys are eighteen over, right? They said yes. I said, oh yeah. Uh, all of you registered to vote. And they said, no. I said, man, that's a little, I, you know, and I explained to us, let me tell you something, man. I said, I'm not chastising. I'm just telling you a lot of terrible, terrible things happen to people that allow you the choice of voting or not voting. I said, people got thrown in the, in, in, in the rivers with chains on them and burned and hung, you know. So you have that choice. I said, and if you don't exercise it, you're being very, very disrespectful. Mm, absolutely. Earl, we could keep you on all night, I swear. You've been a total inspiration, and we're, like, we have a a chat room where people talk to us and talk about the show while we're broadcasting live, and, uh, the people in there, um, they they just want to pass along to you that you've, you've been an incredible inspiration during this interview, and, um, I appreciate that. I mean, I, they're really making a point of it. They're demanding that we tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to tell me the way. <laughs> well, you we, tell, we, those people, we, tell those people, let me tell you what, you, you know, you tell those people, I appreciate their kind words, and I love them dearly. Well, thank you. And they, they uh, all heard that. And they're silent in the pit. There's nobody writing anything. So um, I guess they they really did get it. Very nice, sir. Um, uh, for Mark Spears' benefit, I guess, we're going to drop out uh, just a little bit of factual information. It was in 1948 that the National Basketball League, um, which already had Mike and the Lakers, and I think the Rochester Royals played on that uh, right. league, they invited the New York Wrens to take over the Dayton franchise, thus making the Wrens now called the Dayton Wrens. Well, 
Yep. Didn't they call that? Didn't they call it the team in Dayton, the Dayton Mets? Well, that's my name, Mets, but I don't think they ever called the Dayton team. I've got some names. There were a couple of different names of teams from Dayton. Back no, I think uh, Sweetwater, Sweetwater Clifton played on the team called the Dayton Mets. How did they spell Mets? <laughs> Seriously, that's my last name. But, uh, well, I know you can't. Just because you can't count, that don't mean you can't spell. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's actually, I'm the one that can't count, but I love the fact that JB's taking the flack. <laughs> well, that's why you need a second guy on the show, but you don't be on it by yourself, man. <laughs> but uh, you know what, JB, JB, let me tell you something, man. It, it, it's when you have a, I know you're bright. Stop. <laughs> but no, no, I'm serious now. You know, yeah, I get serious every now and then. But you know, it's it, it's when you can laugh with folks and you can laugh a little bit at yourself. You know that that speaks volumes for you, man. That means you're well rounded because too many people take themselves too seriously. That's a great point, Earl. Yeah. Well, it's just doing doing those crazy times I talk about. You know. I'm going to give you one example, and then, and then, and then, and then you all can turn me loose. Bobby Hopkins, young guy from Grambling College, made the nation in scoring, a hell of a player. We in St. Louis, so, you know, uh, you know, he's my protege. i got to make sure he knows what to do and where to go. You know, he's a little town from Monroe, Louisiana, you know. <clears throat> so we, we walk into this, it's Oriental Restaurant in St. Louis, about 11.30, and I guess they started lunch like you no know, movie a little early. <clears throat> so the owner, I could see he was antsy. Really, I mean, I mean, you can detect it, man. I mean, they they they, they exude being antsy. So the guy said, uh, he was like on the cat on the hot tin roof. Said, well, you know, we're gonna be crowded shortly. So I said, you know, yeah, very polite wise, I said, look, we don't mind, you know, being crowded around. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I know where he's going, but I'm not going to say it for him. he got to tell me exactly why he's not going to serve us. So finally, I mean, you know, he, he finally got around to saying, well, well, we don't serve colored. I said, well, we're cool then because we don't eat them. <laughs> you know, the guy was taken aback, man. He said, yeah, that's cool, but you got to go. <laughs> The fans were about two feet away from the out-of-bounds out line as well. Yeah, but you can't. Uh, but see, that's out. That's out of the question. You can't. 
That's no, I know, but I'm just saying the pressure on you from these yeah. people must have been intense. They were literally oh, hanging at your man. shoulder. I mean, man, they, they look yeah, in Baltimore, man. We played in a roller rink. You know, one, one side of the <laughs> rink was almost banked. <laughs> man, they call you, man. You know, it, 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 this is amazing. We we go to the uh, Lord Baltimore Hotel. That's the finest hotel in Baltimore at that time. Now, if you remember, hotels, when they had the elevators, they had one person that ran the elevator inside and one person standing outside as a starter. Yeah, the good hotels, you're right. I go get my keys to my room. They give me the keys. Now, here I am, a professional basketball player, going to this elevator, go upstairs to take my nap before we play. The starter, the, the elevator starter stopped me, man. And said, where do you think you're going? I said, well, they gave me a key. I think I'm going to 6010, I mean 606. He said, wait a minute here. So he goes over and has a powwow with the folks at the desk. Then he comes back and it's all, it's all right, he can go. <laughs> See, now that's ignorance. You, you can't dignify that. I mean, you could get angry and insulted and want his job, you know. I don't know. I don't need all that. I mean, it's the man was truly ignorant. Yeah. So you don't dignify it. You don't dignify that, man. But it's, but that, that just tell you how crazy it was. It was crazy. But you had to, you still, you know, like I said, you can't fold your tent. And I definitely didn't fold my tent. And see, <laughs> see, Jackie, they told Jackie, you can't fight. I mean, somebody hit you, you, you got to turn the other cheek. Nobody told me nothing, man. So I was knocking people out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know it, it's in pro basketball. There were two things where guys would automatically fight you about. You could not, if if a guy went in for a layup and you undercut him purposely. Yeah, if you can, if you can get up and not being too bad to hurt, I mean, you got to go to war with the dude, you know, because you know, any time they're gonna do something, man, might end your career, and you can't tolerate that. And the elbows to the face, now, nah, and to the they're breaking your nose, man, and and concussions, now nah, you can't, no, nah, you, you you have to address that immediately. Nip it in the bud, so to speak. Oh yeah, no question, you know, and and you have to understand too that most basketball fights were like two punches long. <laughs> and you want to be the catcher? <laughs> Do you want to be the catcher? You want to be the pitcher? <laughs> you know, and 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 I learned quick. You know, if a guy, if a guy was was jaw jacking and, and and we used to call it fat mouth, and and he's backing up, you don't worry about him. I mean, he don't want to fight. You know, and you don't want to fight him either because you hurt your hand or anything. But if he's talking nasty to you and he's 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 walking up on you. Man, you better snap one off, because this guy's going to hurt you, man. Yeah, Red Auerbach understood that right from the early days. I remember Bob Branham and then yeah. Jim Luskatoff, and they only had one job, and that was to protect Koozie. Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah. And they used to call me a hatchet man. I said, oh, God, man, you got, you got two of them. <laughs> yep. Now, you got to tell me one thing, Mr. Lloyd. Was there really a professional NBA basketball player named Fat Freddy Scolari? <laughs> and, and could Fred he play today? Freddie was my teammate. Was I know. Freddie and I were teammates. My, my rookie year, you know, before I got drafted, Fred Scolari was a high score on the Washington Capitals team. Freddie, now, where it got back to me, 
I wasn't picked initially because nobody knew who I was. They, they, you know, they knew I, I was drafted, and but I was still unknown after playing only seven games. So they were reluctant to pick me in this in in, in this supplemental draft. And and Freddie, that Freddie Scalari from the University of, 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 of San Francisco, nice guy. He told them folks in Syracuse, "Look, there's a kid down there. He's in the army now, but you can get him for nothing." Nobody, nobody's gonna pick him because he's black. But he, did, but he said that this kid is gonna play in this league. So you better, you know, you, you better grab him before somebody else gets him. That's how Syracuse picked me. Wow! Wow! Didn't know that. I did see Scalari play though, and I, I don't know why that name oh, came out. Right? Let me tell you, was, a little fat dude. Yeah. I mean, when you saw him walking, up, man, who the, who the, you thought he was the ball boy or something. You saw how old he looked. You know, a little fat how body. Tall was he? Five four, he, five five, five six. He's about five seven, five eight. But let me tell you, man, <laughs> he could really shoot it. I guess uh, he could shoot it, you know, and, and that's what he liked to do best. But yeah, he didn't move much. Well, from, see, Fred uh, was different. You know, I mean, guys from California were always different. Like, 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 probably one, two of the finest guys. Let me tell you, two people, two of the finest guys I, I, I ever come in contact with who were not teammates. Dick McGuire, class act, New York Knicks, class act, man, and Bill Sharman. Bill Sharman and I, were, we, we, we were teammates for seven games. We played with Washington. When the team folded, I think this, the, uh, he was picked by the Fort Wayne Pistons, who eventually traded him to Boston, which is the best thing ever happened to him. But I see, I, I see Bill at the Hall of Fame, man, and he's... He and his wife, his wife tells me, she said, Earl, he really loves you. <laughs> I said, well, well it, it's, it's reciprocal. I said, Bill Sharman, one of, one, of, one of the best people. If you can find me, and this is two guys, and that three guys, Dick McGuire, Bill Sharman. You know, I, I'm not going to mention none of my teammates because you might not want to believe it. But Alvin Adams, you, you ever meet Al Adams? No. No. You find... You you do your search and find the person you think is the best person you ever met, and I'll put Al Adams on him, man. Well, Al, Al Adams, man, you know it's it, to know him is to truly love him, and he knows more in the Lord household, my wife and myself, and he gets a lot of love out of this house, man. Yeah, we remember him playing. He played with Wilt, I believe. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Plus he was tough. Didn't nobody want to fight him either. <laughs> <laughs> He played on all I mean, those Warrior teams after they went to the coast. Yeah, I think so. Yep. yep. Yeah, he was yep. was a tough dude. That's He's right. a good guy too. I mean, let me tell you, Al Adams. He's a perfect gentleman. I mean, man, he's polite. You know, he don't knock folks. You know, and he, all he tries to do is help. Nice. Are you guys done? I don't know. We're just kind of holding our breaths here. And, uh... <laughs> Well, Wait, you know, we don't really hey, know. Hey, you know, we don't want hey, to keep you, you too long, but you're, you have you a totally me. captivated. You better get it while you got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I know you've got a birthday coming up in a couple of weeks. It's no, no, a pretty April big 3rd. birthday. Pardon? April, April 3rd. I'm looking forward right, to about it. About a month, okay. And I guess, can I tell people you're going to be, uh, they can look well, it up online. on you. They, they go online. They're going to find you know, it. There's one thing you know about me. One thing you ought to know when you go online, all this, there's a lot of stuff hanging out there. <clears throat> you can say to yourself, 
if he's in the witness protection program, he's got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Your likeness is going to the Smithsonian uh, Institute. I guess there was a photograph taken of you that yeah. is now going on uh, permanent display uh, at the Smithsonian Institute as well as several museums. Uh, no? that, 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 that's amazing. You know, it, it's, you know uh, it, when somebody asked me about when I was born and and, 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 and ending up in the Hall of Fame, you know, and I just called it, and it's very true. It was incred- an incredible journey, man, for a young black baby to be born in 1928 in the cradle of segregation in Virginia. And then you end up standing up there at, at the Hall of Fame, man, you know, giving, giving your, your, your acceptance speech. It's unbelievable, man. You know, I, and I, I, I tease my wife now, I said, now look now, if you pinch me and wake me up from all these nice things that happen to me, girl, <laughs> <laughs> I said, please don't pinch me because it's, uh, you know, I've had, it's been a, it, it's been an amazing trip for me, man. It's, and what's amazing about it, every stop I made, everything I needed was right there for me. And all you need, you know, all you need is a lot of love, man. And because people that love you, you, you don't want to let them down. And when I, that's when I told you at the, at the top of this conversation that I was driven. I was driven, you know, I, man, you can't, you can't let people down. And, 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 and during my time, you know, it's amazing, you know, just to show how times have changed. You hardly ever pick up the paper and read where one of our guys was in a bar fighting and got jailed. You know, it, it didn't happen. And like, like like the kids today, I don't I, I don't criticize them, man. But all I'm saying is, and I say this to them, I said I get a chance to I go to the rookie transition program, you know, where they sequester the kids and and they got them for a whole week, and they they, they invite different people from different walks of life, and they invite some old timers. And Lord knows I qualify. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and and it's really amazing. They did it. It's a basketball venue, it really is, because you got all you got you got seventy draft choices, and you know, they see you walking around, you know, for a day or so. Because I used to go in there and do, and do what I'm gonna do and get out of there, and they they kind of figure you played ball or something because you're a tall black guy at a basketball venue. So then you sit on a panel, you use four people, and they before you speak, they introduce you, and they introduce me, and, and they go through all, almost my whole resume. This is the guy, and boom, 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 boom. And once they found out who you are and what you've done, that window you got them. You, you right then they're yours. And if you want to lose them, you say the wrong thing. Yeah, you don't. You never. I never talk money with them. And the only, the only real advice I give them, I say, man, pay your taxes on time, because <laughs> they will kill you, man. Not kill you, but you will never get them off your back. And when you don't pay them and you got all these penalties and late fees, you can't afford it. I don't care how much money you make. And understand this. The only time I talk money with them, I said, look, if you sign a $5 million contract, it's like signing a $2.5 million contract. Because Uncle Sam wants half of it. And you know what? They're going to get half of it. <laughs> so you can't spend $5 million because you don't have it to spend. But they they yeah, you, they don't worry about that man. They, they got agents and you know and and, and 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 you know firms that take care of them. You know, it's no problem really. Well, they also got the pension. Uh, did uh, 
I don't know what, what year uh, w- w- were you uh, included in the uh, NBA pension? I know there's oh, yeah. been some uh, well, discussion. Lately, you know, it, it, when somebody asked me years ago uh, how, how the NBA treated me, I said, "Well, I retired in 1960, and I got a pension in 1988. That's that's the first first pension check we got. So it was a long time, you know. It's." Uh, the old time was Cousy and Pettit and, and, and Dave Bing and and Al Adels and all that group, man. They uh, they spearheaded this thing, man, and they, they they hung tough with it, you know. And now, you know, we do all right. It's you know, it's whatever you get is better than nothing. Yeah, like look, nobody joined in with any obligations, but no one had seen you know how much money they're making in marketing off of your images and yeah. you know uh, the 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 history. Uh, you know that supports yeah, well, the well, game. The problem, well, JB, the problem was the, the problem was that the league had a whole bunch of owners. They had no kinship with the old dudes, you know. So, but somebody had to convince them that once you buy in, you know, you you buy its its present, its future, and its past. You know, you you, you can't just say, "Well, no, nah, I don't I don't owe them nothing," you know. And this tanner, it was tantamount to. Like if your parents got old and you were able to take care of them, and you didn't take care of them. You know that's you got to take care of your building blocks. And they got embarrassed. You know, it's uh, the league Cougars group. The first All Star game to be televised in 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 our leadership, they told the owners, "We're not going to play." This is the first televised in All Star game, and they said we're not going to play. Now you know, man. Do you know what kind of implications that has? Right up till uh, about an hour before tip off. Uh, Tommy Heinz right. was uh, president yeah, of the, the union. East then, team, I think. The, the East team left their locker room and went to the West team's locker room, and they sat in there together playing jokes and playing cards. They said we're not going to play. That's right. Yeah, they played hardball, and they and they won. The league backed down. You know, they had all the commercials lined up. The television. And they, you know, they said, oh, what, do, "What do you want?" You know, and they and they told them what we wanted. You know, we wanted a, we want a, a a pension plan from you and the players' association. So it, it so it happened. You know, and I you know like like my middle my middle son is like my agent man. I mean, he's on everything. You know, he's he's a good, he's a good guy. He, he he would say something like, well, they should have had you in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. I said, and all I said to him is, I said, Kevin, I'm a perspective person. I said, Kevin, the best time to go to the Hall of Fame when they call you. <laughs> I said, you know, you know, and you, we have to understand a lot of folks are called, but few are chosen. So now he understands that. Well, we got to uh, figure out when we can have you on again, Earl. This well, is, that's, uh, that's, you know, all you got. All we do is do some coordinating, and we can get it handled. All right, because uh, we, we sure, surely enjoyed this, and I think we just start with the tip of the iceberg. Uh, some of the well, places. You know, I, that, I, I hope you got the impression that I enjoyed it myself. I, we well, you told us you did. had to. You had to be off by eight o'clock when we, <laughs> when we got you on, and and so. Kind of, we gave you a little bit of room around eight o'clock, and uh, you know we're we're very happy that you decided to stay with us a little longer. Uh, we hope uh, it isn't because you well, were just too polite like, like to I say so. Justin, I said, Justin, it, things develop as you go along, and it, things develop. You know, you get to talking and laughing and having fun. You know, it's 
You know, if you can't do an interview and have some fun, you don't need to be doing them. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that, Earl. And, uh, yeah. you know, you talked a lot about, uh, you know, you said you use the word love a lot in this interview, and I'm just going to tell you right now that uh, we love you and appreciate you for coming on. It's really, i got to tell you that it, probably in the history of this show, uh, we've not learned more about the game of basketball and life, and um, you've really been incredibly inspiring i don't i don't know that you'll grasp just how so but uh you know i'll I'll try to put it into words and just let you know that uh you know you've inspired me and you've obviously inspired uh most of our listeners they've said as much uh extensively throughout this interview as we told you before and you know i just i can't thank you enough and i can't thank mark spears enough for putting us in touch well tell mark i said thank you for putting us in touch and 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 justin you know it's i just hope that out of this interview that I've got two new friends. Yeah, uh, I, I would say you've you've got all all three of us are uh, are just very pleased to have met you. I, that's I'd say definitely. Well, I appreciate you guys. Man. Yeah, well, you know, hundred twenty percent here. Thank you, Mister Lloyd. Good hey, be safe. You too, sir. You take care, guys. Thank Bye-bye. you, thank you, Earl, so much. Uh, my, no problem. Wow, I am. Uh, I'm speechless. Well, you, had, you had to figure. You saw that picture of him that is up on the show promo. I believe that's the photograph that's going to the Smithsonian. And he has that look about him of a, you know, kind of Zen philosopher, uh, uh, you know, self-proclaimed uh, guru, neighborhood guru type. Uh, I mean, you just... You look at him and there's wisdom, there's compassion, you know, all the things people talk about Bill Russell's kind of aura. While Earl Lloyd, you know, projects very, very similar when I really look at his face. So, you know, I, I obviously couldn't have known which way this was going to go, but boy, uh, I wasn't surprised at the depth, um, the depth of the man and, and uh, you know, where he wanted to turn all the... Uh, all the ends of the conversations. Very nice. Yeah, you know, it was. It, oh, go ahead, John. We're, we got about twenty seconds to break, but but definitely speak up. Just quickly, I, you know, I'm listening to him. I'm reminded of uh, Buck O'Neill, who, uh, you know, was similar kind of voice in just baseball. Great to talk to somebody of such clarity and such depth. Awesome. Amen. That's going to do it for this week's interview on Celtic Stuff Live. Really feel uh, proud and honored to be able to have had that opportunity to speak with Earl Lloyd. I hope you enjoyed it. Real quick, a reminder, this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Thank you for tuning in this week and a reminder that you can support our show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher and please give us a rating and a review. It helps promote the show and it helps us know how you'd like to see us do a better job. John and I are going to be back on Monday breaking down games from the preseason. Uh, Got a couple more on deck and as we approach the regular season going to begin having interviews on Thursday and Friday out for you with our normal round of guests that we get regularly. So be looking forward to that. A reminder, today's show brought to you by Audible.com. They've got a great deal for all of you listeners. 
But most importantly, you would be supporting the show and the entire CLNS Radio Network. A big thanks to our loyal audience who makes it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.